to talk to you this morning about the Great Commission. This is our big missions day, the third uh, Sunday of November every year is a time when we preach about missions, well, the whole month, really, but the third Sunday in particular. And it's also a time when we uh, pass out the Faith Promise pledge cards and receive them back from you so that we could set our budget for our missionaries for next year. So at the end of the service, we'll be doing that. Uh, there's three passages of Scripture I want, want to walk through right now. Uh, Matthew 28, Mark 16, and Acts chapter 1. You could look at them up if you want to, but I'm going to just say them. They're probably familiar to you. Let me say a prayer first of all. Father God, we pray right now that your Holy Spirit will come and just direct our thoughts and our, our spirit, Lord, that we may, we may know your heart regarding missions and regarding our role in missions. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to just speak through me, Lord. Speak to the congregation in a very powerful and very personal way. And Lord, in the process, please, you be glorified. Let your church be built up and edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Matthew 28, uh, verse 17 actually says, Jesus is saying, all authority has been given to me. But now you go, therefore, you go and you make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Mark 16, 15 says it a little bit differently. It says, uh, go into all the world and preach this gospel to every creature. Uh, Luke's gospel says something similar. It says, go, but it says to wait until you have received the Holy Spirit, until you go. Acts chapter 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the outermost parts of the world. So with these three scriptures, we get the idea that missions is really important and really the most important thing in the eyes of the Lord, which brings up a really big question for me and maybe for you too. And that is, what is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of the church? I, I want to tell you, it's not to make you or I feel good. It's not to be entertained. That's not the purpose of the church. And I'm, I'm all for the evangelical movement today. All over the world, many are getting saved. But there's a lot of entertainment in, going on as well. Uh, but however, if, if we catch the real purpose of the church, if we, if we catch God's heart, guess what? We will feel good. But it won't be because we're entertained. It's because we're in line with the perfect will and calling of God. So... I want to, first of all, begin by, by stating what the purpose of, of our fellowship is. Uh, the Assemblies of God has a, a doctrinal statement. You can go online to read it, ag.org. Uh, there's many different position papers, but there's one, one particular statement about the church and its mission. And basically, there's three primary uh, purposes of the church. The first is to be an agency to evangelize the world. So, so, so I always thought this, and, and I, I believe it now more than ever before. I think the American church, or the Western church, has a, a, a higher calling in this regard because we have the resources. We have the, the wealth, the materials, and so forth. We have the sending ability to be, uh, to be sending people out all over the world. Interestingly, however, if you follow world missions over the course of, say, the last hundred years or so, uh, there are many countries where we've sent missionaries to, whether in South America 
or Latin America or Africa or, or the Far East, Asia, uh, that now those countries are sending missionaries, guess where? Back to the U.S. So it's an interesting thing going on. But nonetheless, those nations that have the wealth and have the resources are really called to be a great uh, exporter of the gospel. The second purpose of the church is to be a corporate body of worshipers. It's to worship God. Now, wasn't it good today to come into the house of God to simply worship God? There's no other agenda. There's just, we gather together to worship. And that's so refreshing to know that that is really a, one of the primary purposes of the church of Jesus Christ. And I would go on to say, by the way, that these things are also the purpose of every local church, every ethnic church, whether in this country or another country. The church at large is designed to be a tool for evangelism, a tool to set up a platform where people can worship. And thirdly, a place where the body of Christ can come together to learn to be better equipped is a place to teach the body of Christ. So we're right along with those things. We get that. And uh, we try to be an encouragement to other churches in town that are starting up or that have been here for a while, that these are the really the primary purposes why church exists in the first place. But we have broken it down to a more personal level to suit our needs here at the church. Um, and if you don't know what our mission statement is or what our theme is, uh, it literally hits you in the face every Sunday when you come here. Seek, grow, and build. This is our mission statement. And so I want to take a minute just to go over that with you. But we want to create a a church, uh, an atmosphere where the believer can seek after God and grow deeper in God. You know, Stacey was sharing earlier, sometimes people come to the Lord and they stay stagnant for the rest of their lives. We believe the believer should go deeper into the things of God and get stronger into the things of God. But also, we want to create a place where people can seek to find God if they don't know God. So it's twofold. For the believer and for the non-believer, we want to, we want to create an environment where people can come in to hear the gospel, worship God, and, and become acclimated to the Christian way, and hopefully, finally, to surrender their heart to the Lord. We also want to have a place where people grow. This is an acronym. Get grounded in the Word. Build relationships. Outreach-oriented, that's where our missions comes from, and worship the Lord with passion. So we want to establish you know, a place where people can do those things, and also in the process of that, where people can build their lives upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Jesus said it uh, in uh, Matthew's Gospel, that if you hear my words and obey them, you'll be compared to the wise man that built his house upon the rock. And when the floods came and the rains came and the winds came and knocked on that house, that house stood firm because it was built upon the rock. But if you don't do that, if you don't do those things, you don't heed my voice, uh, the Lord said, you'll be compared to a fool who didn't do it. And when the rains came and the floods came and the winds came and blew against that house, that house was destroyed and great was its fall. So we want to build an environment where people can build their lives Upon the word of God. Also, secondly, we want to literally build a new church facility in a literal sense. So seek, grow, build. And, but in the process of doing that, like for instance, when we get grounded in the word, there's one scripture that really stands out to me. It's 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. After Paul lists all the requirements for leadership in a church, 
He says to Timothy, now the church, the church of God, the living house of God, is really a pill, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So the church has a tremendous function to proclaim truth to the world around us. And when we, when we get there and we, we understand that, we, we realize what is the most important thing. The most important thing is to know God's heart and to live for the Lord and to understand His will and His desire. Luke 19.10 says it like this, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. I remember the first time I read that many years ago, I thought, man, that was written right exactly perfectly for me. Because I was lost and the, God sent his son to seek and save that which was lost. That was me. And I realized that's everybody. Everyone's lost without a savior. But that's God's desire. Jesus has come to seek and to save. 1 Timothy 2.4 says that Jesus desires all men and women to be saved. Second Peter 3.9 says he's not willing that any any would, would die and be, be uh, put away from him, but that all would come to repentance, it says, 2 Peter 3.9. So this is, this is great. This is really good. This is the mission of the church. But then we find a scripture, for instance, if you want to turn there, you can, but Romans chapter 10. You may want to turn there, chapter 10, verse 13. It says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is great scripture. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And, you know, many people call upon the name of the Lord and they're saved. But verse 14, Romans 10, 14 says, How can they call upon him whom they have not believed? How can they believe on him in whom they have not heard? How can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they're sent? Thus, thus, missions. And what I'm saying, in the process of getting involved in this whole effort, guess what? We feel satisfied. We feel fulfilled. We feel like we're doing the things that we should do because we're in line with God's will. And that's where the joy of the Lord really comes in. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the Great Commission and... um, the call to go and share what we know with others. At the close of the service, we'll pass out the faith promise cards and we'll collect the pledges for next year. Uh, I want to start with a short video from uh, Greg Mundus, who is the executive director of the Assemblies of God World Missions. So give a listen to this. I've served in missions now for 41 years and I'm blessed to have seen God do many miracles. People saved, churches established, ministers trained, and the poor and suffering served. Recently, I was in Cuba, where believers face incredible challenges. But they too preach, plant churches, train ministers, and serve the poor and suffering. You know, as I look to the future, I realize my past and the present-day move of God influences my vision and outlook for what God is going to do. Assemblies of God World Missions is the expression of the Assemblies of God churches to go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel. We need each other. It's a symbiotic relationship. In helping to fulfill the prophetic word of our forefathers, 
to be the greatest tool of evangelism the world has ever seen, this is a growing reality. Your partnership makes the difference in reaching to the ends of the earth. Thank you. All right, he said that missions emphasis is helping to fulfill the prophetic word of our forefathers, that's in the Assemblies of God, to be the greatest tool of evangelism the world has ever known. And so as we enter into this process, we're entering into a tremendous movement that's been going on for over 100 years with the Assemblies of God, and certainly for 2,000 years through the overall work of the church. But I want to I give you three motivators why uh, missions is important. And then I want to take some time to introduce you to every one of our missionaries. So that's why I wanted you to have a list, but we'll have it on the screen as well. The first motivator for missions is, is knowing God's love. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. But here, the point is, how can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless someone's sent to go? How, how can people respond? I heard a, a statistic that we often talk about the second coming of Christ, but half of the world's population hasn't heard about the first coming of Christ. That kind of is a sobering thought, isn't it? But the love of God, God's love should be a motivation for us. I mean, didn't God love you when you were caught up in your sin and your lifestyle or whatever? God reached down and loved you. And this, doesn't God still love you? When you do something crazy or sinful or idiotic, doesn't God, isn't God still there for you? His love always breaks through. And so now it's the church's, it's our responsibility and the church's responsibility to make this wonderful love relationship known to the world around us. I, I realized, I think I may have mentioned this last Sunday, but there's two things that are really important in a church, in a local church. If we want to have a great church, and we do have a great church, but I want to emphasize this. Two things must be highlighted and emphasized in any church that wants to do something great for the kingdom of God. I don't mean in numbers. I just mean a church that's filled with the Spirit of God and is doing something for the kingdom. First of all, that church must be involved in missions. Because missions is the heart of God. I don't know how a church could not be involved in missions. I mean, we're involved in home missions and foreign missions, local missions, you know, missionaries in China and all parts of the world. But that's really important. If you look at any church that's doing something for the kingdom of God, I'll guarantee you they have a big missions budget. They support a lot of missionaries. They do the best they can. And they're involved in the process of getting this word out through all the world. The second element of a, of a great church is unity within the body. There must be a united heart that this stuff is important. And we join our hearts together and go forward in the Lord. So the first motivator in any case is God's love. God's love, we should feel so special and so anointed with God's love that we would want to share it with somebody else. Okay, the second motivator is this, is the love of Christ. In Second Corinthians 5.14, it says this, that the love of Christ constrains us or compels us or motivates us or, or propels us to think differently. It took a while for me to get this scripture. It says the love of Christ uh, compels us to think differently. It says, for he who died for us, uh, he died for us that those who live should no longer live for themselves. 
So our selfishness now is put on the back burner. We live for the Lord. Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So Christ's love transforms how we think about things. And so uh, knowing that, uh, we get into this idea that, okay, what would Jesus do? I'm giving my life to the Lord. I'm giving my resources to the Lord. I'm using it for God's kingdom and God's purposes. I thought about an analogy to share, and that's the analogy of a wild horse. I don't know if anyone has ever heard this before, but I read that when a, a wild a wild horse is beautiful, strong, free, uh, untamable in a sense, just wild and, and beautiful and strong and majestic. But a, a wild horse is of absolutely no use for anybody. So what they would do in the old days, they would dig a big hole in the ground, and fill it up with water and dirt and mud, make a big mud hole. And somehow they would corral this wild horse with people or other animals and corral them and force them to go into that mud hole. And they would be in there for an hour, two hours, three hours, fighting and kicking and trying to get out. They were just going crazy, and they couldn't get out of the mud hole. Finally, after they they gave up, and they, they gave up, but their spirit was broken, but now they were tameable and usable. And that's exactly what happens to us. The love of Christ constrains us and, and, and compels us to go forward in the things of God. You ever notice when you came to Christ, you began to think different? That's not, you don't do that, like we don't make that happen. That just happens. That comes with the package. We have the Spirit of God living in us now. The love of Christ living in us now. So we think differently. We, we don't think selfishly. We think outside of the box. So the motivator for mission is that the love of Christ is working in us. I'm no longer so concerned about me and my situation. I'm concerned about the lost that have never heard the good news that I've heard. Amen. And the third motivator is this, that um, humankind's need. Uh, I'm sure you've seen pictures of different countries where there's poverty all over the place and sickness and disease. We don't have to look far. We could look downtown to see the, the effects of sin. But there's a great need among humanity for salvation, for healing, for deliverance. Romans 3 talks about there's none righteous. All have uh, turned aside or away from the Lord. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so humankind's need is, yeah, people need a Savior. People need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. People need light. People need hope. People need a sin bearer. People need the Holy Spirit. I love 2 Corinthians 5.17, that if anyone is in Christ Jesus, they are in fact a new creation. Old things have passed away. New things have come. So one day I'll I'll preach more about the work of the Holy Spirit, but I just want to emphasize a few things. As we proclaim the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is at work in people's lives. The Word of God says that the Holy Spirit regenerates a life. John 3, 5. We're born again by the Spirit. We're regenerated by the Holy Spirit. So when we're out there proclaiming the Lord, sharing the gospel, someone's being regenerated in their spirit, much like you and I have been. John 16, the Holy Spirit guides a life. He is our, our guide through difficult waters. Micah 3, 8 says that uh, the Holy Spirit empowers a life. Uh, so does Acts 1, 8. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says the Holy Spirit sanctifies a life. It says such were some of you, 
but you've been washed and sanctified and justified in the name of Jesus by the work of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16, is, is, the Holy Spirit is called a helper. The Holy Spirit helps along the way. 1 Corinthians 2.16, the Holy Spirit gives discernment because now through the work of the Spirit, we have the mind of Christ. And the Holy Spirit bears good fruit in our lives. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our lives. And people all over the world need to know about the Holy Spirit. I keep thinking what Pastor Bill had shared a few weeks ago when he was in India a couple of weeks ago. And he was in a certain area of that country where, what, 1%, 3% of the people were Christians? There was a, just a heaviness, a darkness over that area because people did not know the Holy Spirit. There was no light, no hope there. They're just trying their best to make things work. It's our role, our motivation is to go and tell them this wonderful truth that we have in our hearts. So, we've been given a great commission to go to disciple, to baptize, to teach, to preach in the power of the Holy Spirit. So at this time, I want to introduce you to our missionaries. If you have your paper, you could turn to it. I want to take a few minutes and talk about each one that we support. And um, if you don't have one, we'll have some more of those next week for you. So we've broken this down into home missions and foreign missions. Our home missionaries are basically indicated by this light right here. Uh, there's several missionaries, uh, all of them really are reflected here. We have another situation in Springfield in Florida, but I'll talk about that later. But this is our Jerusalem. This is, you know, Acts 1-8, you'll have power to share the gospel in your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, etc. So home missions. Uh, the first one I listed there is Amira Ministry. Um, they're located uh, outside of Boston. And uh, Amira, the word Amira means princess. This is important because Amira ministry is a ministry that ministers to young ladies that have been caught up in human trafficking. Now, you may think that's only over in India or somewhere. No, that's in America. It's in Massachusetts, actually. So we support a missions work uh, that works with these young ladies. Uh, Stephanie came here a few years ago to speak at our missions banquet. But um, it's a safe house. It's a shelter. Uh, we don't give out the address because it's a secret for various, for obvious reasons. But the ladies are taught life skills. Uh, they're taught about discipleship. Um, and uh, you could look at their website for further information about that. Uh, Common Ground Ministries, uh, right here in Haverhill on Winter Street, um, is a ministry that helps the homeless, helps the hungry, helps the disenfranchised. Ron Mills is the director. We're heavily involved with Common Ground. Uh, we support uh, the, the ministry on Sunday. Uh, Wayne, Wayne Zanke is the uh, minister there, the preacher there. Pastor Bill goes down every week to lead worship earlier in the morning. But uh, Common Ground does things like the food pantry, the thrift store, the cafe Monday through Friday. They have coffee and donuts and lunch and breakfast. Uh, it's a great uh, ministry working with uh the needy in our city. Right now, they're relocating down the street. They have a new building. They're trying to renovate it and get it up and running, uh, hopefully by the end of the year. Uh, leaving the streets ministry. Uh, now, all these ministries, missionaries, we support at $50 a month. Leaving the streets ministry, we don't support at $50 a month. We support them at a lot more than that. That's why there's 32 listed, but 31 that received the $50. Leaving the streets is uh, headed by our, our very own Jesus Ruiz and Wanda Ruiz. Uh, Leaving the Streets is uh, a ministry in Haverhill that is um, 
has, has multi-purposes. One purpose is, is to intervene with the uh, gang intervention, um, helping with after-school programs, job training and job placement, uh, counseling. Uh, Jesus runs a youth group as well. He's involved with various ministries in the city, with the police and with the mayor, and uh, with um, youth services and the prison system. It's a very important ministry. But we're giving him way more than $50 a month. We're supporting his storefront right now at $900 a month for the first year to try to give him a really good foundation to get started because we believe in him. We believe in his ministry. So our missions, I just want you to know where our missions money goes. This is a big project. Uh, Jesus has gotten a lot of recognition in the city um, through the police, through the mayor. He's been on the radio. He's doing all sorts of things. And uh, it's really an important ministry. So we, we gladly support him. New Brothers Fellowship, headed up by Dougett and Caroline Gregan, just celebrated their 15-year anniversary of ministry in Essex County. It's a prison ministry and an aftercare ministry. Their mission statement says, we make disciples. That's all they want to do is make disciples. If you've ever been involved with prison ministry, you'll know, you may know that it's relatively not uncommon for someone to receive the Lord in prison and then come out of prison and have a terrible time serving the Lord. So it's almost some people, I've met people that can, they can serve the Lord in prison. They have a hard time serving the Lord outside of prison. So New Brothers tries to minister to them, uh, meet with them weekly, meet with their families. They have support groups all over the county. I think there's five of them. And it's just a wonderful ministry. I'm gladly we support them and they're doing a great work. Okay. New Life Home for Women and, Women and Children is in Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, it's a ministry for women that are caught up with life-controlling problems. It's one of the few uh, ministries that, that allows children to come. When you have kids involved, there's a whole other set of legalities that have to be worked out, but they got all the things done to do that. Right now, there's probably about 20 or 25 ladies and probably 40 children involved in this ministry. They live there. They, uh, they go through... Um, uh, discipleship programs, uh, study programs, uh, learning life skills. They may be working on their GED or they may be working on post-high school education. And the idea is to get them established, to go out and to be productive. Uh, Somebody Cares New England. Somebody Cares is a national ministry, actually. I believe it started in uh, either California or Texas. But Pastor Marlene Yo from Community Christian Fellowship brought a chapter of it here. And what they do is they're involved with the food pantry, disaster relief. They're involved with uh, police and gang intervention, counseling and social services. It's a great ministry. They're located on Washington Street, and they're doing a really good work up there. Uh, Greg and Rita Detweiler are involved with international ministries out of Boston. Uh, Greg has been here a few times in the past few years. Uh, He's the one that coined the expression silent revival because he works with, uh, with immigrants and minority groups that are coming into the Boston area. And he's, he's referring to people from various African countries, various countries of South America or, or Asia, like Vietnam or Cambodia, that have their own churches in, in the Boston area. And there's thousands of people that are attending these churches. No one ever hears about them because they're ethnic-oriented. They're not in the main line, but he's aware of them. And he's saying there's a silent revival going on among all these groups that the mainline churches don't even know about. 
So his, his work is to help assimilate these people into our culture, into the church culture as well. And uh, they do a great, really an outstanding job in doing that. Okay, the next two are involved with Chi Alpha Ministries. Uh, Rob and Sarah Malcolm minister at Yale University. Um, and uh, Michael and Barbara Olajars work on a national level. And uh, Chi Alpha is the Assembly of God missions work on our college campuses. Now, we have a short video clip about that, so why don't we show that clip? background. I know there's no one that can tell me there is no God. These past few years have tested my faith. A few months ago, I was ready to give up. I have lost people that were really close to me, as well as being hurt by people I love. I know the Lord wants me in the missions field for the rest of my life. God showed me that no matter what is going on in my life, he will never leave our side. I'm I'm never never going going back. back. I know that my trust in God will not waver. I'm looking at it as my mission field, and no matter, no matter what, what happens, I'm going to trust in God. My heart was completely wrecked, and I heard the voice of the Lord speak clearly. God revealed so much to me. I know that He is making a way for me. I'm going to continue to do work with my Father in heaven. I know now that I am armed to do God's work. God shined a light on someone who brought me to Kayaf in my life. My life has been forever changed. Not only do I feel called, but I'm now living in greater sense than all of God. I was created for much greater things than I ever thought possible. I will do my part in bringing on the greatest student awakening the world has ever seen. Our mission is to reconcile students to Christ. Join us in transforming the university, the marketplace, and the world. I've been out of college a long time, but when my kids were going to college, I really had, a, had an awakening. I didn't realize the condition of most of our colleges and universities in the States. They're very terrible, for the most part, very liberal places. And, and many times, good church kids will go to a secular college and get lost in the crowd and lose their faith, and hopefully they, they come back to it. But that age group is the, is the most... Uh, most prominent group that leaves the Lord, so like 18 to 25 or so. So I'm really happy that Chi Alpha has a ministry that reaches into that population. 20.5 million students? And like at Yale University, uh, Brother Malcolm was telling us that he has students from all over the world that come there. And a lot of them come there to get an education, and they go back home again, and they never come back to the States, but they just come here to get educated. But it's their one chance, their one shot to hear the gospel. So you have many people that are Muslims or Buddhists coming from other places, and these ministries are so important to be a lighthouse on these college campuses, let alone the American kids that just want to go to college and have a, have a field day. But there, there's like a safety net for people that want the Lord. And so I'm, I'm really happy that we could support them. Okay, then the next one is uh, 
is a teen challenge ministry. Uh, the ministry is called Bloom, which is uh, in uh, in Rhode Island. Now, we usually have Teen Challenge come here once a year, once every two years. They've been involved with Hillstock with us for many years. Uh, and there's uh, Teen Challenge. It's actually Teen and Adult Challenge now in uh, Brockton, in uh, Dorchester, New Haven, Manchester, and up in Vermont. There's a women's program in Providence. But there's also a special program that just that started a few years ago in uh, in the Providence area. So let's show that video. Hi, friends. New England Teen Challenge is a well-established ministry here in southern New England, going all the way back to 1964 as one of the first of its kind, a life-changing residential recovery program providing a faith-filled approach for helping drug addicts and alcoholics transform their lives for good. Literally thousands have come to faith and been changed by this ministry. A most recent addition to our new New England Teen Challenge family is Tori Ferrari. Here she is to share her heart and passion with us for a ministry with adolescent girls. Hello, I'm calling about my 17-year-old daughter. We just found out she's using heroin. My niece was just rescued out of sex trafficking. She's 15. We discovered she has been cutting herself. Abusing her prescription meds. Stealing. Tried to kill herself. Skipping school. In eighth grade. 16. A junior in high school. Hello? Hello? Every day in our country, parents find out that their teenage daughters are in crisis. They discover that they're using drugs, have been trafficked in the sex trade, are self-mutilating, suicidal, and much more. And they're looking for help. But where do they call? Teen Challenge New England is excited to announce that once again, these parents will have some place to call for help with their teenage daughters. Bloom, a place for girls. Only the second of its kind in the United States, Bloom will be a three to five month long short-term program where each student will be given the opportunity to discover who they are in Christ and embrace a new life, hope, and future in Him. Serving girls ages 12 through 17 and their families, Bloom will provide biblical counseling, Christian curriculum, and Christ-centered care to help them not just successfully navigate what they're going through now, but to help them learn how to live a life radically surrendered to their Savior. My name is Tori Ferrari, and I am thrilled to introduce myself as the director of this new program. For the past 14 years, I served as the director for Teen Challenge of Arizona's Springboard Home for Youth in Crisis, currently the only short-term program in Teen Challenge. And I am excited to bring my experience and passion to New England to reestablish the girls' home here. As we're moving forward in the next few months, I look forward to meeting each and every one of you. And I make myself available to come and speak at your churches, with your women's ministry groups, and even your youth activities. I want to be a resource to you in New England. So please give me a call at the number you're going to see. I look forward to meeting you. Thank you, and God bless. Southern New England, let's welcome Tori Ferrari and Bloom to our Southern New England family. Pastor, give her a call as soon as possible and let's support this new ministry, Bloom. Thank you so much. And God bless. Gotcha. 
<laughs> All right, so that's, that's Teen Challenge. I mean, you may know some, some high school girls that need help. This is a great resource. So I, I, I want everyone to understand, when, when you think of New Life Christian Assembly of God, it's not just what we're doing right here. We're reaching out in many, many different areas through these missionaries. So your support is really important to allow us to continue to do that. Uh, the last one mission, uh, mentioned as a home missionary is uh, Chris and uh, Peggy, yeah, Peggy Trambetta. Uh, Chris and, and Peggy um, have, for many years, have been uh, missionaries to the Native Americans. They've been in South Dakota and Arizona for probably the last 25 years or so. More recently, they've relocated to Portland, Maine, and they're starting a home missions church up there, and we have to figure out if we're going to continue to support them um, in that. We, we probably will for a while anyway. But good people. Chris is originally from Worcester, and um, just really happy that uh, we're connected with them and their work up there. I see uh, Brother Jesus came in. Uh, Jesus, I already talked about leaving the streets ministry as one of our home missionaries. Uh, thank you for your, your commitment to that ministry. And uh, we love you and we support you. And, and in case you're wondering, you're on the list as a home missionary, but those missionaries are receiving $50 a month. But leaving the streets is way beyond the fifty dollars at this point. So I know you're. I know you're. You know that. But but we 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 uh, commend you. We commend you. All right. Let's go over to foreign our foreign missionaries at this time. Okay. Uh, following down on on the list or the next slide, uh, we have Kristen Barlow. Now I just want to mention a few things about these missionaries. Kristen actually attends our church when she's here. She's from New Hampshire. Uh, she's involved with child care ministry, uh, child voice ministries. Um, she works with children in war torn countries. Uh, more, mostly, she's in Uganda. Uganda has been a, a gathering place for children that have coming from surrounding countries whose countries are in, in warfare. They come there and they're homeless and they have no family. They don't know what to do. So child care ministers to children in, in those areas. Uh, so Kristen's a, a great uh, worker, and I'm glad she attends here when she can. Uh, Sarah Blackstone uh, ministers in Japan. She's the daughter of missionary parents to Japan as well. Uh, very faithful in her ministry. I remember she was here a few years ago, and she told us that after, what, 20 years, 30 years of ministry, she has a handful of converts. That's how difficult it is in Japan. She's faithful, she's consistent, she's good, she's right on. But the spiritual climate there is so difficult, people are not flocking to the Lord like, like we might see in this country or other countries. But she's been faithful, and that's to be commended. Uh, Michael and Polly Brown... Uh, our missionaries to Bolivia. They were formerly in Costa Rica, but this year, I believe it was, or maybe last year, they went to um, Bolivia. They're involved in church planting and education. They have three small kids. Michael is from Massachusetts, great guy. He was here a couple of years ago sharing his vision. Uh, Don and Carol Butera are in Indonesia. The Buteras uh, were very uh, successful pastors in uh, Johnston, Rhode Island, for many years, about 20 years, and he got, he got called away from his home. His kids grew up, uh, they went off to school or whatever, and he and his wife sold everything, gave up their church, and became Assembly of God missionaries to Indonesia. She's a nurse, so she's involved with medical missions. He's a teacher and a church planter, so he's involved with that over there. They're doing a great work. Uh, Paul and Lena Duda are area directors over Latin America. 
Latin and Central America, the Caribbean. They oversee many different missionary works that are going on in that part of the world. They're lifelong missionaries. They've probably been involved for about the last 40 years, 45 years. Uh, Mark and Kim Gardner are presently at the Fiji Islands, which is in the Asia South Pacific. Um, they were for many years in the country of Angola in Western Africa. But uh, because of the difficulties there, after many years, they couldn't get in and out easily. They, 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 the door actually closed for them, so they packed up and went to the Fiji Islands. Uh, you may remember when Mark was here some time ago, he always travels with a puppet, like a marionette type of puppet that moves and acts goofy. And Mark is a really uh, funny person to begin with, but his ministry is to children, and they do a great work with that. Uh, Linda Gove is from uh, northern New Hampshire. She uh, travels back and forth to Kenya several times a year, uh, flying into Nairobi and going to the outskirts into the rural areas where there's tremendous poverty out there. Uh, you can see her, her stuff on Facebook, uh, but she does a great work for the Lord there. Uh, Emily Griswold um, is, is reflected by this light here in Springfield. Her office is in Springfield, but her ministry is over here in India uh, called Project Rescue. Uh, she works out of this office, but she travels back and forth all the time. Project Rescue is a very important ministry in that part of the world that, again, deals with human trafficking. Uh, she is the daughter of uh, parents that were involved in children's ministry in Providence for many years. And uh, I, I believe she went to North Point. And uh, she's doing a great work. We were in touch with her recently. We do have a short video of one of the area directors of uh, Project Rescue. I think she's speaking from Spain, but what she's saying is pertinent to India as well. So we can show that. My husband and I have the opportunity to minister to women and children who have been sold into prostitution and to be part of that rescue and restoration. One Sunday morning, it was Mother's Day, and I was in a church in Spain where some of these young women, teenagers, were in the morning service. And at the end of the service, we went to the front and invited women, men, in the service to come for prayer. And suddenly, a young woman stood in front of me, an African young woman, with tears running down her face. And she was asking for prayer. I took her in my arms and I said, my daughters are not here today, but you'll be my daughter this morning. Can I pray for you? And as I began to pray, I felt led of the Spirit to pray a specific kind of prayer. I began to pray over her. The tears just started coming down and her whole face changed. It wasn't until the end of the service that I discovered that this young woman who had been trafficked, trafficked from prostitution, for prostitution, from an early age, and now was 18, after 10 years of slavery, in this place where she was being restored, no one knew her name. But that morning as I had prayed over her, the Spirit had given me words, and I had prayed over her using her name repeatedly, telling her that God loved her. At the end, she said, for the first time, I know there's a God. He loves me, and he knows my name. Thank you. If it wasn't for being able to rely on the anointing and guidance of the Holy Spirit, 
We could not begin to minister to those in sexual slavery. We totally depend on the work of the Spirit. Amen. We, we saw a video earlier this morning about this ministry. And uh, we learned that in, in that part of India, uh, the, the young girls are actually brought up for that purpose. They don't even have a hope, many of them. They're brought up with that purpose to go into prostitution, to make money for the family. And so it, it's, it warms my heart to know that we're supporting a work that rescues them, literally rescues them, with the gospel, with education as well, with food. You know, it's, it's everything. But let me, let me go back to something I said earlier. I said that the church does not exist to make us feel good. Well, you know what? It makes me feel good when I know that we're involved with that. That's what I'm talking about. I don't need to be entertained. I don't need somebody to whatever. I just need to know we're doing what God wants us to do. That makes me feel good. And I hope it makes all of us feel good. Okay, let's go on with this. Uh, Joseph and Alice Lear are uh, uh, missionaries in Croatia, uh, church planting and education. Jay and Jackie Luthrow are uh, involved in China, but they're, some of these missionaries are, are flying under the radar, so to speak, because they can't go there, they can't get a visa for missions work, so they go, they get a visa for education or some other type of job. So they're under the radar, but they've been there for probably 25 years or so. Um, Judy Mensch is uh, in the Netherlands with a kids' ministry. Right now, she's at North Point Bible College as a missionary in residence. She spoke at last year's missions Celebration here, very, very effective ministry. Paul Miller and family, this is interesting. Paul Miller is from Haverhill. He grew up in this area. He married a girl. They have three children. They belong to First Baptist Church. And here, here's the beauty of what I'm talking about. The Pentecostal Church is supporting the Baptist missionary as he goes to Nepal to share the word of God. That's the body of Christ. That's what I'm talking about. That makes me, that warms my heart to know that they, we don't have to say, well, you're, you're a Baptist. Oh my goodness. No, you're a missionary. And we, we gladly support him. Young family. He's probably in his late thirties or so. Okay. Uh, Scott and Diana Miller are missionaries to Jordan. Uh, Scott's been there for many, many years. He was in Israel before. He went to Jordan as a single man and he met his wife to be, uh, Diana. They got married. She's from there. But uh, they do a great work there in that part of the world. Very difficult area. Uh, Zach Mobis is in Asia. He's a North Point graduate, young man. Uh, he's, the, he's the young man that came to me probably five years ago. He called me up and he said, Pastor Rick, I want to talk to you about missions. I'm a student. I said, all right. We sat right over there on a weekday. And this young man brought me to tears. He, he just brought me to tears. He said, I've got to go to Asia to preach the word of God. He said, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm getting an education. I don't have money, but I know God has called me. This guy is like 22 years old, you know, young guy. But he said, I've got to go. I've got to go. Can you help me to go? What am I going to say? No. I said, we'll do our best to help you. You know, we'll raise some money, whatever. So he's been on our list for a couple of years now. But I'm really excited that we can invest in a young man that's doing a great work for the Lord. Okay, uh, Patrick and Michelle O'Loughlin. Uh, they're missionaries to Ireland. Uh, interesting story here. Let me make it brief. Michelle is American. She was involved with a ministry called Youth with a Mission, YWAM. They travel to Ireland with their, they do skits and they evangelize doing drama. Patrick was, was, is from Ireland. 
He saw this ministry. He got engaged in the ministry. He joined the ministry. He accepted the Lord, joined the ministry, came back to the States. And he and Michelle fell in love and got married. And he began, they began to pastor a church in Dudley, Massachusetts for about 15 years. And then after that, he felt called to go back to Ireland as a U.S. missionary to Ireland. So he's sent back to Ireland. He's got the brogue and everything. He's legitimate. And he, so he's back home again as a U.S. missionary to Ireland, doing a great work there. Uh, Scott and Leah Shesher are missionaries in Japan, but specifically they work with U.S. armed forces in Japan. It's a little bit different there. Uh, Craig and Lanny Soderberg are from the Linfield. Well, he's from the Linfield area. She's from Malaysia. I think they met on the field. But uh, they're in Asia now. They're involved with translating the word of God into, into um, uh, the language of the land. Uh, Chris and Cindy Stuckey are right now missionaries uh, to the Camaros Cam- Islands off of East Africa. Uh, the interesting thing about this, this couple is that they had a very successful, happy life in Linfield. Uh, he was a very, and still is, a chiropractor. Had a great practice in the Linfield area. Um, around 50 years old or so, felt the call of God to sell everything and pack up and go to Africa to be a missionary. And his wife joined him. They went to Sudan. Now, to Sudan in Africa, which is like right here, is a very difficult place. They got ousted from Sudan. They got found out. They, they had to leave Sudan to go to Kenya. They got to Kenya. Something else happened over there. They had to leave Kenya. Now they're on the Camrose Islands, which is down here somewhere, right there. And so, but they're doing a work for God. It's just amazing to me that God would take a successful person. Most successful people don't want to leave their comfort zone. That's why I love this story. He left it all behind to go to Africa to be a missionary for the Lord. So I gladly, we gladly support them in their, in their work. Okay, Ed and Christine Vergara or uh, our long-term missionaries. Uh, they've been in Spain before, now they're in Mexico uh, with Global University, which is the educational wing of the assemblies. Then uh, Zach Wabel and Jeff Zito are North Point graduates. Uh, Zach is in uh, Mozambique in Africa, and uh, Jeff Zito is in Israel. Young men doing a great work for the Lord. They're both from Pennsylvania. They both have a great testimony and uh, God's using them in a great way. So we're very happy to be supporting them uh, in their work. So, okay, so those are our missionaries. At the bottom of your page, there's a little note about Speed the Light. Speed the Light is the uh, Assembly of God Boys and Girls Missions Program. What that is is kids contribute money to this, and through that organization, um, vehicles are purchased for missionaries on the field. So... We're involved with that uh, periodically throughout the year, not every month, but we're going to be having a bake sale about that in December, December 8th. So we'll, we'll have you more information about that. Anyway, I would love to maintain these missionaries. You know, but it costs money, $50 a month, right? It's a lot, $50 a month, 31 missionaries. But it, we're down from last year, actually. I think last year we had 35 or 36 Several of our missionaries have stepped off the field for various reasons. Health issues are the main reason why. But we've had three missionaries here. We had one missionary here twice in the last two or three years. He was here last Sunday. Uh, Max Brockmeyer, North Point graduate, 
Did you hear his story? I left that service saying, I'm never going to complain anymore. This is a young man. He's probably, what, 25, 26 years old now, maybe? But he was, he was born in Russia to a biological mother that had alcohol syndrome or something. He was born handicapped. His, his fingers and his toes are deformed. And he was taken into an adoption agency. Finally, he was adopted by an American family where he was raised here in America, in Pennsylvania. But you heard his story about his, his brother dying and his father was in this terrible thing. I mean, I have no right to complain about anything anymore. Anyway, he is now serving God. He's going to Europe. He's going to be stationed in Spain with Convoy of Hope. Now, I don't know if you all caught it last week, but Convoy of Hope is the Assembly of God ministry that takes food and supplies to needy areas all over the world. We do it here in the States too, but he's going to be headquartered in Spain and go all throughout Europe to, to meet the needs of poor people uh, under the anointing, under the covering of the Assemblies of God. And in that process, he'll be sharing the gospel as well. I would love to support this young man. But it's going to, I mean, we could give, we could give $10 a month or we could give $100. There's no set fee what we do. But I'm just saying it all depends on what's pledged for next year. But I, I don't want to have him come back again without supporting him. I mean, we gave him an offering last week, which was good. He needs cash as well. But I would love to say to him, Max, man, we've, we finally reached a decision to, to support you monthly. He'll be so happy. Uh, the other one is uh, Rick and Julie Strumpfler. Rick and Julie are from this church. Before they were with us for several years, they were at Brookridge Church downtown. But now they, they left us to become missionaries to India. So several times a year, they take a team like with Pastor Bill recently, and they go to India to that area where there's like 1% Christians, and they share the gospel. I would love to support them on a monthly basis. I think it would be, it would only seem logical. They come from here. We should support them. So, and then the other one is, uh, is Dazelle Lewis. Dazelle Lewis is the young lady. She's actually Priscilla Hodgson's niece. Uh, she's from the Philippines. Went to school in the States. She's back in the Philippines working with children. She shared here a couple of months ago, and she's looking for monthly support as well. So I'd like to maintain what we have, add these three, and see what God does here. Because there's a principle of investing in a work of God. We're going to be blessed when we do this. We have been, and we will be more as we invest in the kingdom of God. I remember several years ago at our previous church, we didn't have a Royal Ranger program. Royal Rangers is the Assembly of God ministry to young boys, like a Cub Scout, Boy Scout thing. And a missionary came that was starting a Royal Ranger program in Thailand. I said, well, if you want to come, you know, we we could see what we could do. We don't have it here. And he said, yeah, I'll come and share my vision with the church. And he did. And so we started supporting him. He did a great work in Thailand with World Rangers. You know, within a year or two, we had a thriving World Rangers program in our church in, in Webster, Mass. There's something about investing in the kingdom. God pays it back somehow. He gives it back. So I, I just want to encourage you. Okay, right now, uh, Bruce, if we could pass out those, those faith promise cards. What we're going to do is pass out these cards. And uh, many of you are familiar with them. What we want you to do is fill out the big part with your name and address and so forth, and how much you're going to trust God to bless you with financially so that you can contribute to this cause. It's going to start in January. 
so whether you give weekly or monthly or yearly, doesn't matter. But we just want some consistency so we can set our budget. And then you put your amount over here and you rip it off and keep the little part. We get the keep the little part. We get the big part back so we could go through it. As these are being distributed, we have a video I want to show you. And then uh, I'll give you some other direction in just a minute. Okay, so we have our cards, and uh, if you could take a minute to fill it. Now, if you need more time, you could take it home and bring it back next Sunday. Uh, but if you could do it now, that would be appreciated. And just take, rip off the little piece, take the little piece home with you so you don't forget your pledge, and uh, we'll set our budget for next year. 
while we're doing this, I want to recognize Brother and Sister Simmons over there. Brother, wave to us. Visiting from Jamaica. Would you come here for a minute? <clears throat> you, you may remember uh, last year, Brother Simmons had come and shared a little testimony. His, his daughter is Tracy, that's been attending. I just want you to greet the church from Jamaica. Shall we bless the Lord? Shall we bless the Lord? Yes. God is good. Yes, he is. Let I just simply say this in short word to you that last year, while I was here on Father's Day, Pastor Rick has spaced something within my heart from the book of Proverbs 24, verse 16. The moment I hear Pastor Rick use those words, I know it was for me. A just man falleth but seven times and rise, but the wicked fall but once in his mischief. And I must tell you this, I go home with that, and it was a blessing to me. God is good. Yes. I'm, I'm going to be here for a few months, and this is my church. All right. So I'll share my testimony. God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. Thank God you. Bless you. <clears throat> well, I thought that was appropriate to hear from Jamaica, since we're talking about world missions and stuff. Willis, you have a new brother over here, by the way. Maurice? <laughs> all right, so... All right, did everyone do it? Um... You could pass them to the end of the aisle, and the ushers will pick them up. Thank you for doing that. If you do need time, take it home and bring it back next week. Um, or else we're going to lock the doors next week until everyone passes in a card. Only, only kidding. Uh, let me close with the scripture that we started with, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. That is our commission. And, and again, when we, when we enter into that, we feel fulfilled. You know, the, the other joy we, we may experience, you know, whatever, uh, is good. But this is the deep joy that will last for an eternity. Amen? So let's stand together. I want to pray.